Welcome to Real Stories MKE, brought to you as part of Xfabula's work to connect Milwaukee through real stories. I'm Joel Driesang. And as you guys know, I'm Kim Shine. Joel, we are back for the second half Woo-hoo. of season three. Half time was great, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> but I, you know what? I missed everybody. Oh, yeah. I missed you, Lauren. Yeah, I missed Sam. Oh, Sam. Yeah, we've been away so long. Yeah, all the, okay. the 89.7 crew missed everybody. Yes. Well, as you all know, Xfabula does believe that everyone has personal stories worth sharing, so we do uh, storytelling workshops where community members can build their storytelling skills and their confidence. We also host story slams where those true stories are shared on stage. And today, we are bringing you seven of those powerful experiences. That's a lot. That's the most we've ever crammed into an episode. Seven. That's because we're coming back for the second half. We got to go hard. That's true. Well, and, and and some of those are shorter stories because they're from our teen project. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, those tend to be shorter than the, the stories that we have at our story slams. Yeah, like a couple of minutes short. So y- yes. stick with us, guys. Right. Um, so our theme today is eating. It's something we all do. It's some some of us do it more, some of us do it less. What we eat, how we eat, the role eating plays in our lives can reveal a lot about our upbringing and our heritage, and the choices we make. Um, some people are passionate about eating, but you know, Kim, for me, I consider eating like I consider hydrating. It's <laughs> something I have to do. My yes. body craves this, and I not that I don't appreciate good food. I do. But a lot of times, especially like when I'm working from home by myself, I'll just, if I get hungry, I'll grab a handful of spinach and put it in my mouth or a banana or something. That's very healthy of you because before coming here, I was starving. I had lunch, but, you know, time has passed and I was starving. And we have a Froyo place by my job. And so I grabbed some Froyo with some sprinkles. And now I feel good. I thought, I saw you with that little bowl. I thought it was soup. (laughs) So, Joel, we recently held a story slam with Teens Grow Greens, where the theme was food as a story. So, Exfabula coaches worked with the org's interns for a couple of weeks leading up to the event that helped them shape their own experiences. And it really did show. We had a lot of amazing storytellers, and we'll start off with three from that story slam. Yes, those three are Alex Harris, and after that will come Clark Wright Norwood. And then the third story in this set will be from Diamond Moore. So here they are, Alex, Clark, and Diamond. This is about the first time I ate uh, Kool-Aid pickles. Me, my stepdad, sitting in the kitchen. Actually, me. You ever tried Kool-Aid pickles before? I was like, no. Who? Why would I want Kool-Aid pickles? That just sounds like real country-like. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm like, yeah, that just sounds real country. He's like, no. Like, my mom used to make it for me all the time. Like, it's really, really good. So he sits there, takes the uh, fruit punch pack, fruit punch uh, Kool-Aid pack, pours it in the uh, pickles. He's like, we got to let it sit for like two or three days. We forgot about it for like a whole week, actually, uh, in the back of our pantry. And um, we go in the pantry. I go in the pantry, and I see the Kool-Aid pills at the back. And I'm just like, who put these here? And he was like, oh, remember that? When we did that, when we made those about a week ago. I was like, oh. So I took one out, and I tasted it. I was like, it doesn't really taste like anything. 
And then that's when it hit me when I just tasted a bunch of sour fruit punch and pickles. And he was like sitting there laughing at my face because I was like, I was like, oh, that's just disgusting. I don't know how you could eat that. He was like, well, it was my favorite snack as a kid because it reminded him of um, his dad. And it reminds me of him now whenever um, whenever I eat Kool-Aid pickles now because um, he, he passed away in uh, 2020. So whenever I see Kool-Aid pickles, I think about him. Everyone, bear with me. All right, so last month, our family normally does a fast. It's either religious or just for health. And so the start of the fast, there's three weeks. The first week, we take away uh, dark meat. And dark meat, you know, is beef, pork, and all that type. And so that week, I was okay. We're all good. We still have chicken and fish. Second week, we take away chicken, and I was, eh, I was okay with that. We still have fish. Now, the last week is where things got hard. We could only have vegetables. And for people who know me, not a lot of you, um, <laughs> I, am, I really like meat, and I've always liked meat. Vegetables, they're okay, but like a good rib or like go to the barbecue, really good. And so that week, I was this close to biting someone's head off. And my mom just kept pushing and pushing, saying, we got to keep this up, keep this up. And I was this close, almost threw my brother through the window. Um, <laughs> and so what my mom normally does for the last three days, she'll go with nothing but water. And we all don't do, she normally does it by herself. So I was like, okay, mom, I'll do this with you. And so for those three days, I had nothing but water. And that was the most water I've ever drunk in my whole life. When I tell you, uh, I had migraines, stomachs hurting. It was really, 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 really hard. And I told my mom, I said, mom, I'm not ever doing this again. I hope you know this. And after that, after the whole fast was over, I had a case of chicken and steak quesadilla. I tell you, that was the best thing I've ever eaten in my whole life. And that's all I have for today. Thank you. Good morning. Oh, good morning, everyone. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about the time that I first tried broccoli. So back when I was 11, I hated green vegetables. I hated green beans, asparagus, zucchini, a lot of green things. I liked lettuce, but the one green vegetable I hated the most was broccoli. So in that summer, um, I visited um, my aunt's house and she made this meal. She made sweet teriyaki chicken, rice and broccoli. So I'm looking at her and I'm like, oh, you made broccoli. So um, I tell her to not put it on my plate and she still does. So as I'm sitting at the table eating, she's staring at me. She's like, oh, so you're really avoiding that broccoli. I'm like, yeah, I am. So, okay. 
after that, two weeks later, I went back over her house and I saw that she made broccoli again. So I'm like, okay, what is what is this? What what are you doing? Stop. And this time she puts she gives me a plate full of broccoli and she's like, You're not getting anything else until you try it. So I'm just sitting at the table in distress. Like, I'm just thinking about my life. I'm like, oh, my God, this smells so bad. I don't want to try it. I'm going to cry. I'm going to leave. I don't even care no more. So that this is how bad I didn't want it. I threw my whole plate away, and I just I, I called my mom. I was ready to go home. Then another week later, I went back over her house, and she did it again. And I'm like, okay, now you're just being petty. Like, what? Like, stop. Please stop. And so this time... I decided to give it a try and it actually wasn't that bad. And um, so now, like I actually like um, green vegetables a lot. I started um, picking, picking it as a healthy choice. And now me and my auntie, we would make um, recipes with broccoli. So we make like um, broccoli cheddar soup. We actually made this broccoli and cheese casserole. And yeah, so now I like cooking vegetables, so. Again, those storytellers were Alex Harris, Clark Wright Norwood, and then Diamond Moore. Yeah, um, I think my favorite story out of all those, I mean, we love vegetables, but uh, Kool-Aid pickles? Come on now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to make some. Yes. I'm going to make some and bring them back here. I yes. didn't do it in time. If it takes a week, I, I didn't think of doing <laughs> it ahead of time. Well, they, they went overboard. It only takes like a couple days. Well, I looked at a recipe online, and it said a week. So that's there what are I'm going to do. There are recipes I'm, online? Yes. Yeah, oh, wow. There's everything online. Come on. You're right. So, and I'm going to use whatever Kool-Aid you pick. <laughs> Red. <laughs> Red Kool-Aid. Okay. If yeah. you know, you know. Red Kool-Aid. Right. Don't ask me I've about been, the flavor. I've been informed that that's cherry. So <laughs> so that's what I'm going with. But I'll, I'll bring some and I'll bring some and we'll try them. All right. Yeah. So, Joel, our next story is also from a Teens Grow Green storyteller. Delilah Moore has told this story as a spoken word poem. Now, their story touches on some difficult feelings that can be associated with food and actually might trigger some people who have a history with eating disorders. So we just wanted to tell you all that. And we'll follow Delilah's experience with another spoken word poem shared by John Lopez at our Food and Culture Story Slam back in 2021. Once upon a time, I was hungry, starving, in fact, so I ate. I ate, and I ate, and I ate, and I continued to do that until my family, friends, people who I thought loved me told me, you need to eat a little less, you need to cut back, take an extra piece of cake off that plate, maybe it'll help you. I was hurt, <laughs> in shock, I didn't know what to do, why are they telling me this? So I did that, I had three meals a day, no, no snacks, no desserts, nothing more than I had on my plate at the time. Until they said, it wouldn't hurt you to gain a few pounds. It wouldn't kill you just to add a few extra pieces of meat. Just to kind of make yourself a little bit more, like have a little bit more fat on you. And I was again shocked at these people who I thought loved me, supported me, and were my family. And in the end, after that day, I decided that these people who love me a little less, who are maybe a little bit less my family, maybe not my friends so much anymore, are, I, cannot, I can only decide what I eat with my body and who I am, so I will continue to eat what I want, when I want, without the others or the conscience of others in the back of my mind. 
was the best of times. It was the worst of times, you know. Life is one of those things where we're always caught in between, like, having enough, not having enough, yesterday's, tomorrow's, here and there's. But every now and then, we get a sense of this balance, you know. You guys ever experienced anything like that? Yeah. Uh, For me, that was probably, like, my mom's cooking. (laughs) Um, Something about it just made me feel, oh, I couldn't even begin to explain. But I will tell you this much. There were days of bologna sandwiches. There were days of checkers, McDonald's. Uh, There were days of nothing, you know. There were days of uh, ramen noodles, (laughs) actually probably more so weeks of ramen noodles. But when my mother would cook, forget school food, (laughs) you know. I'll trade three of those lunch trays for for, uh, some of that, uh, pardon my pronunciations, uh, pollo casado. See, my mom was, uh, my mom's a Puerto Rican woman, and... uh, when her music would play and she would dance in the kitchen, we knew it was going to be a good time, you know? We, we grew up with, like, uh, how do they say? We grew up with less. Less meaning little and little meaning more than we could imagine. Because at the end of the day, no matter how many cold nights there were, no matter how many uh, tears I would see in my mother's eyes of missing my father, of just trying to figure myself out as a kid, you know? We always had each other, you know? And there's something about those moments of not having anything but each other that kind of puts things in perspective for you, you know, uh, kind of reminds you the beauty of being a human being, you know. So when my mother, <laughs> when my mother would enter the kitchen, she would pull out this giant gray pot and <laughs> you knew it was going to go down, <laughs> let me tell you, you know what I mean? Inside of this pot is where the story is really developing because inside of the pot we had rice, beans, potatoes, and, you know, chicken. I I didn't want to keep the stereotype going, but, yeah, it was chicken in that mug too. But, you know, and a couple other ingredients. Um, Those few ingredients made the house feel like bliss. These days were so important to us because when we would eat, we felt at home, wherever home was, you know, because it was, it was a vibration. It was that, that frequency. It was sitting around the table knowing the sweat that went into it, knowing that we couldn't get it anywhere else, you know. It was just some kids. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm black, <laughs> you know. But in the same breath, um, in the same breath, I grew up with these wonderful things. You know, um, things that we often take for granted. But being a black man, we're not given too much history that we find to be, you know, worth talking about. You know, the history books give us things that kind of make us hang our heads down. The teachers give us things to hang our heads down. We're not so easily understood, you know. But something about when my mom made food and I would fill my fork with it. I had a sense of my culture. I had a sense of of history. I had a sense of something, being a part of something bigger than the circumstances we were going through at that very moment. And 
within that, we had a certain kind of strength, you know? My mother raising three kids on her own, she gave us every single thing that she could. Everything that she could. All of the love she could. All all of the encouragement she could. She did the very best she could. But when she cooked this food for us, she gave us a heritage. And that gave us power. And it wasn't much. But love doesn't take much. It's just one of those things. Thank you. You know, both of those spoke to the power of food and and speaking up for yourself. Yes, advocating for yourself, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it is powerful because everybody has an opinion about everyone, you know, right, and, and sure. it's easy to let that in, whether it's food or not. Right. And it's easy to let that kind of sway how you feel about yourself. Um, so kudos to Delilah. And especially when you're younger, food is uh, something that's controlled a lot. So, right. Yeah, so breaking out of that is, is important at some point. And for John, though, I really did like his story because mm. food for me, certain foods, as I'm sure with you, certain dishes, they, they put you in a certain mood. Yes. Take yes. you back to right. a time. Right. Yep. Yeah. So we do have an update from John. Uh, he's actually a storytelling coach for Exfabula now and has been coaching public workshops and some of our collaborative projects, too. Uh, should we do some ultra shorts at this point? I would love to. Oh, sure. man, I've okay. missed them, yeah. too. Um, so the ultra shorts are just little bits of paper that people at our story slams fill out because everybody has a story to tell. But these are just a couple of lines that are read by the, the hosts at the at the story slams. Do, do you want to start? I do. I, I was, I was you know, what is it, chomping at the bit? I was chomping. Oh, Food-related, I get that, <laughs> eating. Yeah. So this one is from Dina. Dina says, I am from southern Pennsylvania. My friends make fun of me when I say I grew up eating squirrel pot pie, but it was good. Tasted just like chicken. Okay. You know, I Googled that and because and, I didn't believe, I thought it was a nickname. Squirrel pot pie? It's, a, it's oh. actually squirrel. No, I've had, I've had squirrel before. Oh, my God. I have. It's, it's gamey. I wouldn't call it the same as chicken, but it's, right. there's not a lot of meat there. Um, this is from Anonymous. Uh, I grew up eating a lot of strange foods. Crocodile skin, cow stomach, mini octopus. Nothing beats the time I ate a fish eyeball in front of my brother who said, it's good for your vision. Yeah, tell that to someone with glasses, right? (laughs) (laughs) We have one from Anonymous. And Anonymous says, I went out with an Icelandic woman. She dared me to eat whale. So I did. I asked what she had. And just wait. She said she ordered a goat's full Face. Goodness. Gross. Oh, my gosh. Kim, our next story comes from Eve Eisman. Eve shared this story at our Acquired Taste Story Slam in 2017. Well, this story is uh, something that happened to me with my mother. And so the first thing I have to tell you is my mother was profoundly deaf. She used sign language for communication But she also spoke, and I can never tell this story without telling it in her voice. So after my father died, my my mother was living in Madison, and I lived here, and my brother was kind of looking after her, and once a month she would say, I'm going to Eva House for vacation. And then she'd come to Milwaukee and stay with me for a week, and that was her vacation. 
And so I was always happy that she was there because she was really, she was helpful, she was funny, she was nice to be around. And I was working full time, so it was nice to have somebody there to help me out. She was a great cook, a wonderful baker. So one particular day, uh, she said to me, can I help you? What should I do? What? Tell me, Eva, what? So I said, um, well, why don't you make dinner? There's chicken, and you can do whatever you want. And when I come home, it'll probably be about 5 o'clock, I'll make the dessert. She said, fine. So that day, about 5 o'clock, I walked in the house. Oh, and the house just smelled wonderful, because I said, as I said, she really was a good cook and a good baker. And... Um, I said to her, well, just relax, take it easy. I'm going to go in the kitchen, and I'll make dessert. About 6.30, we, everything was ready. I had the dessert. I had it all cut up, ready to put on the plate. And we sat down to eat. We got all down. It was delicious. And then she turned to me and said, Eva, dessert, where? And I said, oh, just a minute, I'll get it. So I ran in the kitchen. I brought out a plate of brownies all cut up put on the plate, and she's, oh, I love brownies, good, thank you. So she took one brownie, she put it in her mouth, ate it, and then she said, I'm so proud of you, my daughter. She said, you made delicious brownies, wonderful. And I was just like, whoa, you know, here she was, the, the prime baker in our family. I said, well, thank you. And then she ate for a while, and she took another piece, and then she said, Eva, real or box? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? She said, real or box? I so I thought, oh, my God, she's, she's really a purist, you know. I said, um, well, I started getting into my defensive mode. You know that I work hard. I come home late at night, and I come home at 5 o'clock, and there's not much time, and this is wonderful. Duncan Hines, and I spelled it out for her. I said, box, very good. You said it was delicious. She said, box? I said, yes. So she took another brownie, put it in her mouth, chewed on it, looked at me, and went, different! <laughs> oh, I thought. And then again, she said, different, not same as me. Oh, I just felt so guilty. I thought I should have known. Well, from that moment on, I never told the truth again. <laughs> Eve's story was so funny, Joe. <laughs> Our mom, is this real or is this false? <laughs> <laughs> no. and, and that it made a difference to her, even though she couldn't taste I, right. the difference, it's right? Like, don't, don't give me that yeah. box stuff. We know, I mean, we know that the from scratch is usually healthier, but... You know, sometimes you don't have the time to do that, right? right. right. (laughs) So that that was great. Hey, Kim, let's do some more ultra shorts. Man, let's go. This uh, ultra short is from Megan. I've always craved salty foods, maybe because my dad fed me olives when I was a baby. But now I'm expecting a baby girl and I love sweets. 
ate several pounds of jelly bellies this week. <laughs> Can't get enough. I wonder uh, how that baby girl's doing now. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, next one, another one is from Annie Glad. Annie says, when I was little, my great aunt would serve head cheese, and I loved it until I found out what head cheese was, which is meat jelly from the head of a cow. Like brownies, maybe sometimes it's better to know <laughs> nothing where it came from, right? <laughs> Just enjoy it. Okay, here's an ultra short from Anonymous. No dairy, no sugar, no gluten, no whiskey, no Pop-Tarts. Two days of eating pickled carrots plus ginger and spinach smoothies. Didn't think I could do it, but I did. Hashtag underestimated. Look at that. Love it. I question why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joel, we have one last story to share with this eating theme. Are you ready for it? Yes. All right. So Michael Lorenzana shared his experience at a story slam that we did with Independence First. It's a short one, and it has an important message about self-advocacy. Here's Michael. Do you want to introduce yourself? What's your name? Yeah. Michael Lorenzana. And Michael started with us on Tuesday. And what did we have for lunch, Michael? Seatbook. Cheeseburgers. And Michael's really excited about the cheeseburgers. Um, and when Michael got his cheeseburger, what did you see inside? Mustard and ketchup was already on the patty and the bun. What don't you like, Michael? Uh, no. Are you okay? What was it? No, mustard. No mustard. He hates mustard. So he was able to speak up for himself and let us know that he didn't like mustard on his hamburgers, right? And we were able to find you something else to eat, right? Yeah. Yeah. You want to add anything else? No mustard. No mustard. No, no pickle. Yes to ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Again, the power of food and and speaking <laughs> truth to food, right? No the, mustard. That's right. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, if yeah, give it to us our way, right? What we want it? Yeah. If I could have it my way, there would be mustard and barbecue sauce. Galore for you, but not yes. for everybody. Yes, yeah. Give us some choice there. Yes, give yeah. us choices. <laughs> Kim, that's all the time we have for this episode of Real Stories MKE. But you listeners out there, don't worry. We've been at this since 2009, so there are more audio and video stories available at xfabula.org. That is right. And before I get to our website, we all would just like to add that if you or someone you know is struggling with an eating disorder, reach out. There are many local resources that are available, and there's a helpline that is run by the National Eating Disorders Association. You can call or text for support, and that number is one 800 931 22 as for our website, it lists upcoming storytelling workshops and story slams, and we do hope that you'll join us at an event and maybe even share a story yourself. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to everyone who makes this program possible, including ex-fabulous staff, the storytellers, our producer Lauren Instanis, and audio engineer Sam Woods. Thanks also to the funders of our Youth Affinity Storytelling Work, 
including the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, Herb Cole Philanthropies, Northwestern Mutual Foundation, Milwaukee Public Schools Partnership for the Arts and Humanities, and Exfabula members. That's a lot of support. Thank you, guys. Mm. For Real Stories MKE, I am Kim Shine. And I am Joel Dreesang. Thanks for listening. And remember, everybody has a story to tell. Think about telling yours. 